Well, the weather, it feels like spring, and something's happening in me that feels like spring, so I might <clears throat> do this a few times. I apologize. The secular calendar and the Christian or liturgical calendar, this one has no pages on it. I've, I've used it up. I have a new one, and I forgot to bring the new one, so I've got the empty one. But if you are interested in keeping to the liturgical calendar of the church's year, which of course always starts on Advent, first Sunday in Advent. Actually, technically, in some years it begins on the 30th of November with the Feast of St. Andrew, which can sometimes be ahead of the first Sunday in Advent. If you'd like to keep the, the, the liturgical year, let Angela know. We've ordered a few of these. We won't have enough for everybody in the room, but I doubt if everybody in the room is motivated to keep the liturgical year, but if you are, I've made the announcement. Right. The coming of the nations, the coming of the nations is the theme of the second Sunday after or the second Sunday of Christmas. We don't always have a second Sunday of Christmas, but this year we do. And whenever we do, we hear this reading from the Gospel of Matthew that many of us, and in times past, in seasons past, have either participated in a pageant or watched a pageant or heard this read often before Christmas. But the story in its chronological order comes after Christmas. And so today we hear it. And we hear it because it's about to be so that we're going to turn the corner from the Christmas season to the season of Epiphany. And the season of Epiphany focuses on the reality that though Christ came to Bethlehem, though Christ came to Judah, Though Christ came to ancient Israel and the people of the Jews, he came for all the peoples of the world, including all of us here. Years ago, there was a great bumper sticker back when Christians were using bumper stickers. You don't see many Christian bumper stickers these days, but boy, you see some weird stuff on cars. But... Um, but one of the ones that stuck in my mind for, and has remained forever is a bumper sticker that said, wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him. The coming of these magi, these wise men, these kings, as some of us have sung for, for our whole lifetime, we three kings of Orient are, these were highly esteemed men from almost certainly Persia, Persia, modern Iran. And the Jewish people had been scattered. It's easy to forget this, but by the destruction of the temple, Jewish people and the invasion of their land in the centuries before the time of Christ, Jews had been scattered. Men and women had fled for their lives and had established strongholds or places of Jewish faith and worship and life throughout the world that was known at that time. There probably was not a major city in the Greco-Roman world that didn't have a synagogue. There might have only been 10 or 15 or 20 families in a city of 100,000, but wherever Jewish people went, they worshiped their God and they kept the law. And undoubtedly, undoubtedly, these guys had come into contact with the reality that the Jewish culture is a very bookish culture. It's a scholarly culture. 
And somehow or another, they had learned of the hope of Israel. They had learned that it had been promised for centuries that what God had said he would do in the beginning when he called Abraham and Sarah, God was going to do. That a great king was going to rise who would be the king over all the world. And, and they had learned about that. And being, I can only assume, men of some learning, men of some spiritual inclination, and perhaps deeply touched by the faith of Jewish people where they lived, for all we know, it's not said in the scriptures, they wanted to make their way to this great event when it happened. And so they come. And, and when, when they are involved in explaining it to the temporal king, the worldly king, Herod, they, 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 they quote from the scriptures of the Jews. They know the scriptures. They know the prophecies. There is going to be one born. There's going to be one born in Bethlehem. That's where we're headed. They don't realize at that time that the king has a wicked intent. He doesn't want a rival king. Um, um, and, but they quote the prophet. Uh, he's to be born in Bethlehem. In the land of Judah, which is the land of David, the great king. And he is going to be a ruler and a shepherd over Israel. Now, Matthew puts it in the gospel here because Matthew knows the whole story. And he's wanting everyone that reads this gospel to recognize that what will be said by the Lord Jesus at the end of his ministry on this earth. Now, you who know me, you who love me, you who have heard my teaching, you who have been following me, I'm going to use you so that all the nations of the world will know me. Matthew is linking this first coming of three non-Jews to worship the newborn king as, a, as a, a sort of quick indicator of what's coming. This child is born to rule the nations, not just Israel. This child is born to shepherd the nations, not just Israel. And that's the promise of this day. And the church in its liturgical calendar for millennia has turned rather quickly from the birth of the child and the joyful celebration that we all have shared and are still, some of us, lingering in. I'm lingering in it. The the poinsettia tree helps us linger in it. The lighted tree at the back helps us. The wreaths help us. The world's rushing on, but many of us are holding fast to this wonderful, wonderful news. But the church is going to turn us now, and it turns today. It turns today. These people have come because they are believing at some level that what they've been told by scholarly Jewish people in their nation is true. And they've come to see. And when they come, they worship and they offer themselves. Now, we're in a fascinating season here at Christ the King Grace. Uh, fascinating for me. I hope it's fascinating and wondrous for you. It's, 
it's, it's a sweet time that God is giving us right now. New people are coming. New people are coming. And some of them are coming because they've just moved here. People are moving to this zip code every week. And some have come because for whatever reason, what it is that they've hoped for or longed for or looked for somewhere else has not been what they found. And they've come. So just like the three wise men of old, people are coming. People are coming. And it's a wonderful thing, a great thing, a gift from God to us that people are coming. And when they come, our heart's desire in every possible way is to say, welcome. Welcome. Wow, you're making us glad. Yeah. To see someone walking up that sidewalk that we've never seen before makes us all glad. We, we love to welcome those who come. And we welcome those who come knowing our ways and those who come maybe not knowing our ways. Every once in a while, I know I say this probably too much, but it's one of the faults of getting old, <laughs> is that I'll start thinking of something that to me is very new, and then I'll be reminded by someone quite a bit younger than me that it's very ancient. But does anybody but me remember the group U2? You remember U2? They burst on the scene in the 70s, but they didn't become world phenomena until 1987. In 1987, they released an album, as we used to say. Do we still say album? I don't know if we still say it. But they released an album in 1987 called The Joshua Tree, and, and, and it rocketed them to the top of the world. Everyone of a certain age, everywhere in the world, started to know the songs they were singing. And one of them they sang was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The wise men came looking. The wise men came seeking. Now, when people join us, when people come into the life of the liturgical church, the Anglican family that we belong to, what, what are they finding when they come to us? if they visit us once or if they visit us twice. Well, they're finding us worshiping as we do. They're finding that we worship in a way that's not exactly the same as anyone else in town. Um, we, we, we worship in a pattern that has been given to us through the centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. Some of the things we do this morning have been done by Christians almost certainly since the weeks, the first weeks after Jesus returned to heaven. Some of what we do every week is 2,000 years old. And we're not going to stop doing it. Some of what we do is just because some priest somewhere one time did it. And people liked it, and so they started imitating it. And then that poor priest became a bishop, and he told everybody to do it. And then people visited his diocese and they liked the way he did it. And so they went home to where they lived and they started doing it. And, and ever since, the altar guild have done it that way. <laughs> but it's, 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 not, it's not part of the eternal deposit that we want to keep alive. But it is true here among us 
that we want to worship in spirit and in truth in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to God. And that, that this building is different for us than any other building we go in for the rest of the week. That we have set this place apart. That this is holy ground for us. That this service is a holy time for us. It is a wonder and a beauty and a joy for us. And it makes believers exceedingly glad. As we hear what's true of the three wise men. It makes us exceedingly glad when we walk through those doors. And we see the table of the Lord. And we see the cross. And we see friends. Because we are a people. If people come to us, they find a people. A welcoming people. A loving people. A, a, a people who want to know you. And want to embrace you. And want to serve you. And want to make you fat at Christmas by giving you cookies. <clears throat> and so, when they come, they find us as a worshiping people. And I believe with all my heart... They find us as a loving and welcoming people. But what of all they must find, and we must find, is that we encounter here one who is ruler and shepherd over us. The Lord Jesus Christ is ruler and shepherd over us here. He is our Savior, indeed, but he is our Lord, our master, our ruler. And he loves and shepherds those who follow his rule, who want to walk under his rule, who want to be a part of his life and his rule. The three wise men, when they came, rejoiced exceedingly. And I know I've shared this as well. When you find something wonderful, it's very normal to share it. If something wonderful has come to you, you want to share it with people you love. Right? When we find this ruler and shepherd to be our king, our savior, our lord, we can't help but feel exceeding joy. I made these notes for this sermon before 7.30 this morning. I want you to know that. But at 7.30 this morning, my phone binged, or whatever it is, dinged or something. <clears throat> and I couldn't help but see what it was. I got a letter this very morning at 7.23 from a man I don't know who thanked me for something that happened in 1973. In 1973, he met the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to be his ruler and his shepherd. And he wrote to me this morning to thank me 
for the little part that I had in that reality. 48 years ago, God could not have given me a better gift in this Christmas season. But it is God who did it. It is not me. And God did it through the word of God written. To know the ruler and Lord who wants to shepherd you in love means to know his word and to receive it. So I want to appeal to you for the new year. Take a step. Take a step. Whatever you've been doing, take another step. If you're a day-by-day reader, we have the little booklets in the back that come every quarter that give a little scripture and a little meditation for the day. Add on a little more this year. If you read a psalm a day, read two this year. If you've been following a simple pattern, ask yourself if you want to go deeper this year. Because the word of God has been given to us so that those of us who seek will find. And those of us who knock will discover that the door is opened. And those who ask will receive. Jesus cannot be your shepherd if he is not your ruler. His his rule is loving and kind and good and true. Be enfolded in his love by asking him to be your ruler, your Lord. May 2022 be for you and for me and for all those we know and love and even indeed for the broken and troubled world we live in. May this be a year of grace. May it be Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, 2022.